0: This is their new hoax, but, you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I
1: get corona, I get corona. At the end of the
0: day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know? Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you
1: know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed.
0: Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that Uh, by injection inside or
1: or almost... My name name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus podcast. As the pandemic rages on, we continue to seek answers as to how COVID-19 developed. Although as it stands, we, and by we I mean scientists and academics, are fairly sure that the virus jumped from animal to animal before it was ready to jump to human beings. Some combination of civic cats and pangolins are the chief suspects thus far. But what about other viruses? Which other viruses lurk around waiting to make that leap from animal to human? Joining us to discuss zoonotonic diseases here in Australia is Dr. Sasha Seltzer-Braid, a virologist from UNSW. Sasha, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you so much, Connor.
1: First off, can you describe what exactly constitutes a zoonotonic disease?
0: Yeah, so um, zoonotic infection is means... Um, a disease that occurs in animals but that disease is able to jump the species barrier barrier and infect humans mm-hmm. um, sometimes able to then infect human to human um, but not not always
1: right So I'm thinking here, you know, famous examples like the rat and bubonic plague, and I know that's historical, but I'm guessing that that's still a possibility and that would be a culprit. But let's talk about some animals here in Australia that um, have the potential to spread these disease to us.
0: Yeah, so in Australia, we have a lot of beautiful animals, as we know, Um, but yeah, some of them may have diseases that can spread to humans. And a really good example is um, parrot fever, which is caused by the bacterium chlamydia cydicae, which is carried in wild birds, in particular parrots um, and rainbow lorikeets and birds like that. Um, And people can catch that infection by inhaling um, feces or dust containing the feces of wild birds infected with that, um, that bacterium.
1: Right, and um, I believe that there was an outbreak of this. I don't know if "outbreak" is the right word. You maybe you'll correct me. Um, in the Blue Mountains, quite recently, can you tell us a bit about that?
0: Yeah, that's right. So, so they're very small numbers. Um, you know, in in twenty eighteen, um, there was seven cases of um, this parrot fever, which um, is also called psittacosis. So, and this year there was a few cases in the Blue Mountains. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's probably not an outbreak, but there's certainly um, an increase in numbers of cases. And um, it's concerning because it's actually um, quite a severe lung infection mm-hmm. and it has similar um, symptoms to, you know, colds and flus, Um, and probably COVID as well now. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it might be easy to, to mistake it for something else if you don't sort of dig a bit deeper and, and find out that it's um, caused by this bacterium.
1: Mm. So how then, I mean, obviously now anything, any of us have, we're going to go get tested for COVID-19 because that's the way Mm. the world we're living in at the minute. But how, how then did people find out that it was parrot fever?
0: So in the blue mountains there they do have outbreaks or cases of chlamydia cydicacii um, every few years and so I think if you're living in that area, people are or the, the doctors are a bit more aware um, of that infection and and they'll they will hopefully ask you you know have you had any contact with um, wild birds? Do you have a bird feeder outside your home? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe you have um, a domestic um, pet that's a bird that, that has some contact with, with wild birds as well. Mm-hmm. And so dig a little bit deeper into the possible cause of, of symptoms.
1: And and in this case, uh, as you said at the start, um, it, it is not always the ability, to, these, the virus, these diseases don't always jump from then human to human. But in this case, did the virus jump from human to human, or was it just single cases from birds?
0: Yeah, single cases um, mm. from birds. So yeah, but as you say, um, some some pathogens uh, do develop that ability to um, jump from human to human quite successfully, and uh, SARS-CoV two, the virus that causes. COVID-19 is a is a good example, recent example of of a virus that can do just that.
1: Of course. Um now a little bit of a tangent, but I'm I'm thinking back to another life where uh, when I worked construction and there was um one particular building we weren't allowed to go in on this one job because pigeons had nested there and um mm-hmm. now if I remember correctly someone said that um lots of pigeon droppings can cause cancer or something along those lines now. I'm not sure if that's quite correct, but I'm sure that someone did say that you know, breathing that in could cause some sort of disease. Is, is that something? Is that right?
0: Um, so I'm not sure about cancer, but certainly um, birds like pigeons, um, rainbow lorikeets, um, ibis, they have a lot of viruses, and most of them are um, bird specific. But um, you know, there's always that possibility that there's a virus that could jump into humans and mm. we know, um, you know, from bird flu, um, avian influenza that, you know, there, there is a possibility there that that um, bird viruses can jump into humans. Mm.
1: And are they, you know, in the cases of birds, but, you know, um, and obviously the, the most zoonotonic, zoonotonic diseases, are they often um, lung when they get to humans? Uh, do they often exacerbate mm. lungs or are there other sort of symptoms, other versions
0: Um, so that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it depends on the way that you get infected. So if, if it's something that you breathe in, um, then it's going to probably be an infection in your lung. But if you, um, are scratched by a wild animal, um, because you, you might be, um, helping it, you know, (laughs) it's, um, gets, uh, sorry maybe I'll take that back yeah um um, so yeah it probably depends on on the way that you are infected so if you breathe in um the the dust from their feces or their feathers then that could cause a lung infection um but if you um maybe share food with them or get a scratch from a wild animal then then that will be a different type of infection.
1: Mm-hmm. So. so moving away from kind of birds and, and parrots, which may be, you know, mm. um, or ones that most of us might not come in to contact with, mm. what other animals would you say are slightly dangerous to us in this way that, you know, most Aussies maybe wouldn't know?
0: Yeah, so I think it's really important, um, particularly for people who are immunocompromised or elderly or might be pregnant to be aware of, of some of the um, diseases that are out there and if you're pregnant then toxoplasmosis is probably something that you have heard of before um, and it's caused by the parasite toxoplasma gondii um, which causes a disease in cats and so the cat can be infected with this parasite um, and if, if a pregnant woman becomes infected with this parasite it can cause miscarriage so pregnant women really need to be careful around cats. Don't clean the kitty litter tray um, and don't touch anything in the garden that can be contaminated by cat feces.
1: Mm, wow. And, and any other sort of, I mean, dogs and, and things like that, are they, are they just as kind of, or are we just as susceptible to, to something that they might catch?
0: Um, so that's a great question. Dogs have, dogs get viruses as well. Um, a really common one is parvovirus. Um, but the dogs are generally vaccinated for the parvovirus and it's not the type of parvovirus that can infect humans. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't think that there's so much of a risk from dogs. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, it's it's the cats um, mm-hmm. that carry um, Toxoplasma, which which is something to be really mindful of.
1: Mm. And I mean, there was some anecdotal evidence, and I don't think um, you know we've got right to the bottom of it, but that. Um, regular domestic cats could catch coronavirus. I'm not sure if that has been fully proved yet, but I guess that's something to think about also.
0: Yeah, so there there have been sort of globally very, very small numbers. um, Cats and dogs, actually. Um, And I think there was a a study that came out of China that showed um, that a cat could be infected with SARS-CoV-2 and pass it to another cat. Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit of evidence there, but the numbers are so, so low. It's um, not something that I think we should be concerned about in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if someone does have COVID-19, um, try and stay away from your pets as you would stay away from other people to prevent the spread of the infection.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so how rare are we talking here? And you, men- you mentioned the numbers with in the Blue Mountains there, but, you know, ballpark, how mm. many people get diseases from animals? You know, you mentioned ibis. I think turtles or tortoise are another yes. one. Um, you know, how many Aussies are getting kind of diseases from, um, you know, animals that roam freely around here every year?
0: Yeah, so globally it's estimated that around 60% of all of our human pathogens are zoonotic Um in origin, but mm. I think the numbers are probably quite small, unless you count something like um, swine flu, mm-hmm. um, which is now you know one of the dominant um, flu strains that circulate. So it's they're not very high numbers, um, but I think it's just worth really being mindful of, um, especially for people who are in those high risk categories um, to be a little bit careful around wild animals and and even domestic pets if you think that um, you might be at risk
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, now obviously we're all thinking about the way we interact now with um, you know surfaces each other but uh, you know obviously animals as well as a society because you know we're pretty sure that this is how COVID-19 has come about is there anything that we do as a society that exacerbates this or is just this the cost of living with animals
0: yeah I mean that's a great question and I think I think you're right we we do have a very close relationship with animals, both domestic and wild, just because we're encroaching more and more on their environment. Um, uh, Zoonotic infections, uh, in particular, viral zoonotic infections, um, and by that I'm thinking of um, Ebola, um, probably came from bats as well, um swine flu from pigs Mm. um mers um came out of the middle east um possibly from bats as well Um, so all of those um places and particularly countries where um, people have a very close relationship with animals because they rely on them for um a food source or for um, their livelihood that that brings us closer and closer to to animals and um, as we've been talking about viruses, uh, sorry, um, animals do have diseases that um, potentially can cross into humans, and then there's a the potential for that organism, um, or if it's a virus, to mutate uh, so that it can jump from human to human mm. and spread more effectively.
1: Uh, I think what I'm learning from this is no more kissing your parrot or your cat is probably <laughs> the best advice that we can give. Um, uh, I'm curious, do we know? What conditions lead to an animal suddenly, or the virus an animal carries, suddenly being able to make that leap to us?
0: So, it so there's a few things that need to happen, but it's mainly that um, the the receptor on the cells of the organism that. Um, the pathogen, and in this case, I'm talking about viruses, because that's what I what I work on. Mm-hmm. So, the virus has to mutate to be able to infect um, the the proteins on the outside of the cells, and the proteins will be different on um, pig cells, or dog cells, or whale cells, or human cells, and so the the virus has to mutate so that it can. Um, jump that that species barrier, and then um, and then again pass easily from human to human. So it's something that happens fairly. It, it's rare, but I would say that there, there's definitely um, examples from from history, um, and SARS-CoV-2 will will sort of be added to the list of, of viruses, but. Um, have been able to make that jump from Mm. animals to humans and then human to human really effectively.
1: And again, is that just the cost of doing business? Is that just, is it an evolutionary thing? Is it a thing that's just going to happen no matter what we do?
0: Mm, I think it probably is going to happen no matter what we do. Um, I I don't think we can ever get rid of these pathogens. Um, We can't, you know, we we have to live with animals. Um, We, we have a very close relationship to them they're our pets um they're you know our 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 fauna um but it's about probably just being aware of our interactions with them and being a bit more careful um and in the home you know washing your hands um not sharing your food with your pets um and being careful not to to get bites or scratches from a wild animal
1: well, Dr. Sasha Seltzer-Bray, thank you very much for joining us to discuss this.
0: Thank you so much, Connor.